Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorse. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. Today we're going to be talking about uh, things that can help us relate better to our children. And we're going to begin by talking forth about four things that the Bible says about communication. Four things that the Bible says about communication. The first one comes out of Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 37 where the Bible says, But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. So that basically means let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Let me put it like this. If you say it, mean it. If you don't mean it, don't say it. Because you'll confuse your kids. If you're one way one day and different the next, you'll confuse your kids. See, as, as parents, God has given us the responsibility to raise our children. And we have God-given influence with our kids when they're small, don't we? I mean, our children, my, my little grandbaby, she's like 14 months old, and she walks in and she says, Papa, 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 and my heart melts. But that little baby knows that she can do anything, say anything. She can even eat right off of Papa's plate if she wants to. And I never let my kids do that. But that grandbaby can do it because she's secure. I have influence with her. I'm going to have influence with her as time goes on. As parents, we influence our children. And we influence the minds of our children. And if we are constantly changing our mind, then we are making them unstable. We are building instability into our kids. You want some scripture of that? The Bible says in James chapter 1 and verse number 8 that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. In all of his ways. So if we question everything, if we, if we double-guess everything, our children will become unstable and it will be very hard for them to make quality decisions as they grow older. So that's the first thing that I wanted to share with you that the Bible says about communication. Let your yes be yes, let your no be no. The second thing is this. It's impossible to associate with evil and not experience its negative effects upon your life. Because children are products of the environment in which they live. And you are a product of the environment in which you live. If you're a gossiper, that's because you were hanging around gossipers. If you're full of God's love and God's care, it's because you hang around people. That's full of God's love and God's care. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 33, the Apostle Paul was writing to the Corinthian church and he made this statement. He said, be not deceived, evil communication corrupts good manners. Now Paul is referring here to the false teachers who had come into the church at Corinth who were denying the resurrection and he called that evil communication through false doctrine. Now the Bible said here, be not deceived, evil communication corrupts good manners. So what he was trying to get across to them was this. There are people who are coming in, they are teaching things that are contrary to the truth that we know, that Jesus came, that Jesus died, that Jesus rose again, specifically in the area of the resurrection. If you engage them in conversation 
in an evil way, you will never be able to help them see the light. So what he was saying here was this. It's better to stick with the truth in God's love. It's better to stick with love. It's better to stick with God's love instead of constantly pointing out that they're wrong or constantly pointing out uh, their faults. Now, the same thing applies to our kids. The same principle applies to our children. We can spend all of our time trying to correct them, trying to point out what they're doing wrong, or we can just love them onto the path that they should be on. And let me tell you something. Love is a lot more powerful tool than condemnation. In fact... We can go back to that famous verse in John chapter 3 and verse number 16 where the Bible said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17 says, But God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That doesn't mean that we don't preach against sin. It doesn't mean that we don't address it in an informational way but we are to not badger one another. We are to love each other. So Paul's encouragement here was to not allow ourselves to get into evil communication when we experience error. And when we take that same principle and we transition it over to our children in the area of communication, then we need to understand, even though our children may not always make right choices in our view, we should never badger them for it. Amen. We should never badger them over it. And, and that's evil communications when we do that. Instead, we should choose kindness. If you're badgering them, you're trying to manipulate them. And the Bible calls manipulation witchcraft. Amen. So we don't need to revert to witchcraft when we have this powerful tool called God's love. Amen. So we need to use God's love. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 32 says this, And be ye, somebody say, ye is me. Yes. Come on. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Now the reason that that is there is because God knew we were going to need it. There are times when I have to just revert to this scripture. You need to be kind. You need to be tenderhearted. You need to forgive, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. The third thing in the area of communication that I want to share with you is when we're communicating to our children, we need to use words that edify them. That means to lift them up, to encourage them, and minister grace. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good, or let come out of your mouth, that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister God's ability or grace unto the hearers. Grace is, and I've, I've done a lot of studying on grace, and I just kind of came up with my own little definition from all of the things that I've studied through the years on grace, and I came up with this little saying, and I, and I give it to you a lot around here. Grace is God's ability to do in you and for you what you cannot do in yourself or for yourself. So when the Bible says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but let things come out of your mouth that edify and that speak of God's ability on our behalf, 
then that's what we're supposed to be speaking. Now, let me just get a little pastoral here, okay? Anybody can be critical. In fact, you don't have to be very smart to be critical. You don't. Anybody can find fault. It doesn't take a whole lot of smarts to be critical. But peacemaking, however, may be harder, but it carries with it the promise of blessing. The Bible says in Matthew 5 and verse number 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And how many of you know that if God calls you something, that's what you are? So in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. I want to encourage you today, speak peace over your kids even when they're being rascals. Speak peace over your children even when they're being challenging. Sometimes you say, well, I just can't do it. Then quote that scripture. You know, the word will work if you work the word. Quote that scripture. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So the reason you can't do it is because you're trying to do it on your own. And there are some battles that are so designed by the enemy that the only way that you're going to be able to act like a Christian is with the help of the Lord. And so, when I get to the point where I say, God, I just, I just start saying, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, if there be any virtue or power, that means power, or there be any praise, think on these things. I put a little statement on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter this morning, and the statement was this. You're not going to change a thought with, a ch with another thought. The only way you can change a thought is with words. So you speak out the Word of God. I mean, start thinking about something and then start speaking something out and see how quickly your mind shifts to what you're talking about. So I'm going to encourage you when you run into those times that are so challenging with your kids that you don't know what to do and you're sitting around and you're just brooding and you're just thinking, just start speaking God's word. God's words of encouragement. God's words of love. God's words of care. God's words of forgiveness. God's words of healing. Speak those words. I'll tell you what, when you speak the Word of God, then you're working the Word and you're getting it out there into the air and giving God tools to work with. And that's a whole lot better than sitting around brooding about something that you can't change. So you might as well use your time productively and just speak out the Word of God. Then the fourth thing when it comes to communication that I want to share with you today is in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, if you go there with me, uh, I'm going to go ahead and just read it out of the King James Version this morning. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 8 through 17. And this is talking about putting off filthy communication, putting off, somebody say put off. Put off filthy communication out of your mouth and put on, somebody say put on, love which is the bond of perfectness. Colossians chapter 3 beginning in verse number 8 it says this. But now ye also put off all these. God didn't say, I, I'm, if you'll just trust me, I'll take them away. He said, you put them off. So as a Christian, 
as a disciple of the Lord, as a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, I have a responsibility to take responsibility for my spiritual well-being. Jesus, now listen to me very closely. Jesus has already done for you everything that he's going to do for you. He's already died. He's already risen again. He's already established the covenant. He's already done those things. The reason that we access Calvary and receive healing, Jesus is our healer. But here's what we know. When we get into the scriptures, we find out that that healing was already satisfied over 2,000 years ago at a whipping post. So our faith connects with what Jesus has already done. And because of the power of the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice of Jesus, we experience healing in our lives. Now, here we go. Here's what the Bible says. It says, but now ye, somebody say, ye is me. Come on, look at your other neighbor and say, ye is me. But now ye also put off all these, anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy. Here we go. Filthy communication. And the Bible clarified it. It said, out of your mouth. Sometimes we communicate without saying anything, don't we? By our actions, by our expressions, by the way that we conduct ourselves, we're communicating. But God's Word specifically says, put off filthy communications out of your mouth. Look at your neighbor and say, God said, watch your mouth. That's what He says. Isn't that amazing? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I told my wife that one time, and she turned and gave me that look. I said, don't get mad at me. I'm quoting the Bible. <laughs> and then it goes on, and it begins to clarify some of these filthy communications. It says, lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Now, who put off and who put on? Ye which is me. We did, didn't we? And then verse number 11, the Bible said, where there is neither Greek, the Bible said, nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond, nor free, but Christ is all and in all. And then verse number 12 says this. It says, put on, therefore, because you've put off all this other stuff. Now, here's what you're going to do. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies. That means from your innermost being, show mercy. God's not going to ask us to do something that he doesn't do himself. In fact, God is so radical about mercy that he said his mercies are new every morning. So the Bible says that we are to put on, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies. We're to put on kindness. We're to put on humbleness. We're supposed humbleness of mind. We're to put on meekness and long suffering. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength under control. Forbearing one another. And forgiving one another, look at verse 13, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Verse number 14, and above all of these things put on love. Charity, that means love. Put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. 
God's command to us is this, be ye perfect even as I am perfect. Now you say that's not possible. No, but when we get infused with God's love, then God looks at us and sees the blood of Jesus and he sees and experiences the love of God. The Bible said that we are to put on love. That means I love you because I choose to. You love your kids because you choose to. No matter what they do, no matter what they say, you love them because you choose to. Sometimes you need to say, Lord, help me. But you still love them because you choose to. You mean I spent $500,000 raising you and, and I love you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You just choose to. You choose to love them because you're putting on love. The Bible said, above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And there's a lot more there. I just don't have time to get into it today. And then the Bible said, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also ye are called in one body. Now, if we don't watch it, we'll just skip over that. I want you to look at your neighbor right now and tell them, the Bible said right there that I am called to a life of peace. Tell them that. You are called to peace. Let's read it again. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also ye are called in one body. And then the Bible said, and be thankful. Be ye thankful. It's very difficult to be angry when you're grateful. It's very difficult to have malice in your heart when you're thankful. It's very difficult to not be kind when you're thankful. Thankfulness, gratitude is a key to a life of perfectness that is infused with the love of God and peace. And then verse number 16, here's what the Word of God says. I love this probably more than all of the rest. It says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And let that Word teach you and admonish one another. That means to encourage one another, to strengthen one another, to kind of push one another to do these things. Admonish one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So the fourth thing of communication, there's a lot of other things that the Bible says about communication besides just these four, but if you want to relate well to your kids, then you're going to have to act like a Christian. I mean, if you're going to influence them for Christ, you have the responsibility to put on the right things and to take off the right things. So you're going to take off wrath. You're going to take off anger. You're going to take off malice. You're going to take off blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. You're going to quit lying. And you're going to put on, the Bible says, mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forgiveness, love, and then let peace rule your life. And be thankful. Hallelujah. Isn't that good stuff? My goodness, that's really good stuff. All right, so... That's point number one. All right, point number two, 
on relating to our children. Not only do we need to communicate correctly, but the second thing I want to talk to you about, and we like to quote this scripture, especially to our children. Well, you know, the Bible says that I'm supposed to train up my child in the way it should go. And when he's old, he won't depart from it. So bend over, I'm going to apply the board of education to the sea. That happened to me a lot when I was growing up. I remember one time, some of you have heard this story, but there's a lot of new folks here. So I'll just tell you, I was, I was a little bit of a rascal in school growing up. I know you wouldn't think that. I know, you know. But I remember one time I got in a fight with a kid called Donovan. His name was Donovan. And Donovan was a bully. And I got tired of being bullied, so I just handled the problem. Well, I guess the principal of that school didn't see it the way that I did. And so he took me to his office, and that's back in the days when they would have you bend over, touch your toes, and then they would take a paddle and help you straighten back up. <laughs> in other words, they would paddle you on your behind. How many, how many have ever experienced that in school? Come on. Oh, look, I'm so proud I'm not the only one. <laughs> My mother found out that I had gotten in trouble and so she called the school, and, and, I, and, I was, and I'd received a paddling and had 45 minutes of detention after school. And so she called the school, and she said, I want you to tell Johnny, that's what they call me, to write that scripture where the Bible says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. But right before that, it says, if it be possible as much as lieth within you, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And I want him to take those 45 minutes and write that 100 times. An impossible feat. She was just trying to fill it up. So she comes and she picks me up. Puts me in the car. I'm sitting there in the car. She said, well son, what did you learn today by writing that scripture? I said, mama, it said if it be possible as much as lieth within you, and can't nobody get along with Donovan. <laughs> well, the Bible says here in Proverbs chapter 22, I'm sure he grew up to be a good guy. I don't know. That was like fourth or fifth grade, something like that. But in Proverbs chapter 22, verses 6 through 17, I decided, because this is where this scripture is found in this group of scriptures, train up a child in the way they should go. So I'm one of these type of people, I like to read things in context, and so I decided to do something a little different here. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the scripture, and then I'm going to give you my commentation on that scripture. So in other words, my interpretation of that scripture. Scriptures can speak for themselves, but this is what I got out of it, okay? So, we're going to start at verse number 6. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse number 6. Here's what the Word says, and this is the one that everybody loves. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So, what I saw there was the word train. And training is teaching implied. There is a difference between teaching your children and training your children. You can't train them without teaching them. You can teach them without training them, but you cannot train them without teaching them. Teaching is the dissemination of information. Training is releasing them with the information that they have to go and use that information and then be there if they mess up. So training should be safe. 
How many has ever been in the military? How many just loved boot camp? No, but it turned you into the soldier you became, right? It was training. It was training. And so the Bible said that, that we're to train up a child in the way they go, would go, and when they're old, they will not depart from it. So I wrote down, training is teaching applied. Give them room to try. Give them permission to fail. Verse number 7. The rich, and so here's what I want you to understand. It goes, it says, train up a child in the way they should go. And then there are several things that, uh, song, that, that uh, King Solomon put out here on what we should teach them and what we should train them. There's several things here, okay? Because Proverbs 22 and verse number 6 does not stand alone. So verse number 7 says, The rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. So in your teaching and your training, you need to teach them that positions matter. It's not a sin to be poor, but it's better to have more. Let's read it again. The rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. I had someone contact me, I think it was last week or the week before, and they got upset because I was rebuking spirits of poverty and rebuking spirits of lack and all of that. And I can give you almost 2,000 scriptures that directly or indirectly deal with finances in, in the Word. And they said, that is just, that is a Western doctrine. And they said, you're oppressing people when you pray that way because you're making them think that if they're in poverty, they have oppression. What they didn't know was I grew up very poor. We were poor. Daddy worked really, really hard, but we didn't have a lot of money. And so we were poor when I was growing up. I just sent them a little note back and I told them, I said, I have never met a poor person who didn't feel some level of oppression. All right? So, what I'm trying to tell you here, the Bible said the rich rule over the poor. It's better to be rich so you can be the one in the right position. And then the Bible said, and the borrower is servant to the lender. So, position matters. It's not a sin to be poor, it's, but it's better to have more. So, it doesn't make you any less spiritual if you don't have finances or money, but it's better to have more if that's uh, how things work. Verse number 8. He that soweth iniquity shall reap vanity and the rod of his anger shall fail. Now, when the Bible says train up a child in the way it should go, this is what comes after that. This is what we are to teach them. He that sows iniquity shall reap vanity, and the rod of his anger shall fail. So here is what I wrote down on that. The practice of manipulating and beating others into submission to your way will eventually lead to lack. You'll fail. Verse number 9. He that hath a bountiful eye shall be blessed, for he giveth his bread to the poor. I wrote down this. This is what I got out of it. Rejoice over the blessing before you and share with the poor. See the glass half full instead of half empty. In other words, have a bountiful eye. Quit being pessimistic. Look at your neighbor and say, there's too much good in the world for me to go around and see all the bad all the time. Amen. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Ha! There, now it's anointed for some of y'all. Okay, verse number 10. <laughs> Here's what the Word of God says. Cast out the scorner, and contention shall go out. Yea, strife and reproach shall cease. Now here's, here's what I put down. Verse number 10. I'm going to read this again because this was so good. I'm like, wow. Here's what the Word of God says. We have a responsibility to teach and train our children to cast out the scorner and contention will leave. It'll go, okay? Yea, strife and reproach shall cease if you get rid of the scorner. Here's what, it's, here's what I wrote down. Don't fool around with troublemakers. Evict them out of your life. Come on, that's some good stuff right there. Don't fool around with troublemakers. Evict them out of your life. Look at your neighbor and say, quit thinking about that person. Just pray for them. All right. <laughs> Verse number 11. He that loveth pureness of heart for the grace of his lips... The king shall be his friend. Here's what, the, here's what I got. We're to teach our children to be pure in heart and easy in their speech, and they will stand before and have influence with powerful people. If you think you can be mean and get where you want to go in life, you may get there, but you'll raise up your head and look around, and you will be all alone. You'll be lonely. Verse number 12. The eyes of the Lord preserve knowledge and he overthroweth the words of the transgressor. The knowledge that we gain from God's word is true. Here's the challenge. Gain knowledge and understanding and allow the truth of that knowledge to overthrow false teachings and expose lies. Verse number 13, the slothful man saith, there is a lion without, I shall be slain in the streets. What does that mean? Verse number 13, don't make excuses to be lazy. Don't make excuses to be, the Bible said train up our children. Right after it said train up our children in the way they should go, then we have this list of things. We are to teach our kids to not be lazy. Three more. Verse number 14, the mouth of strange women is a deep pit. He that is a port of the Lord shall fall therein. Here's what it says. Keep yourself pure and unspotted from the world. That's what I got from that. We need to be pure. Verse number 15. <laughs> my mother loved this one. My daddy liked it even better. It says, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. They taught that to my siblings and they quoted it to me all the time. Verse number 15. When you act foolish, expect correction and discipline. Now, I want to pause right here and just say something, all right? You should always correct your child, but you should never punish them. You should always correct your child, but you should never punish them. You say, well, pastor, what is the difference? When you are punishing someone, you're trying to hurt them. When you're correcting them, you are driving in a direction to try to help them change their mindset. So you should never, ever, ever discipline your child without having a plan to help them turn the corner and see things the way they should. Now, we're talking about relating to our kids, right? We're talking about that. Okay, one more. Here's what the Word says, all right? Actually, verse 16. He that oppresseth the poor to increase his riches, and he that giveth to the rich shall surely come to want. What does that mean? 
It means, and I wrote this down, this is how, what I see in it, practice kingdom economics and refrain from being controlled by the world systems. In other words, pay your bills, refrain from debt, not investment, a home is an investment, things like that. Pay your bills, refrain from debt, don't give out money, listen to this, to curry favor. In other words, don't try to buy people's favor. The Bible said that a man's gift will make the way for them and they'll stand before great men. God will use the gifts that he has deposited inside of you. And let me say this right now, okay? And you need to teach your kids this. A lot of people say, well, I can't because I didn't receive this or I didn't get this opportunity or whatever. You have inside of you everything that you need to grow into and, and maximize into the type of person that God designed you to be. If you try to be like someone else and compare yourself to someone else, then the best you will ever be is second best. Why don't you just be the best you that you can be? Why don't we just allow the Lord to use us, to maximize us, to take the gifts? See, I, you know, years ago, years and years ago, I got over it, but years and years ago, I, I grew up in old-time Pentecost. I mean, they hollered a lot, they screamed a lot, they shouted a lot, they ran around the church a lot, they shouted the hair down a lot. They, I mean, a lot. I mean, there were some wild services when I was growing up. And it was communicated to me, not through words, but just through observation, that if you preach, that if you're not hollering, you're not preaching. And especially if you're not hollering, you're not anointed. And it's almost like the louder you hollered, the more people thought you were anointed. You know what the problem was with that? They were, they were very excitable, but they were extremely shallow in their understanding and the practice of the Word of God. Because here's what I found out. They'll shout Sunday night and cuss you out Monday morning. That's what I found out. Finally, one day I told the Lord, it was years and years ago, I told the Lord, I said, God, I said, I just want to be an effective minister and I want you to use me. And I heard God speak to me as plain as could be and he said, then quit hollering and start communicating. And that was like setting me free because it's not in my nature to holler. Now through the years, I've had people who have said, you're not really Pentecostal. <laughs> Pastor, I think you should just get a little more excited up there when you're preaching. I think you should just holler a little bit more. You know, crank it up a notch or two. <laughs> I've heard that before. I have to be me. You have to be you. And here's what I found out. The harvest that God has given me through the years is so much different than the harvest that other people have attracted through those other kinds of techniques because I'm just being who God made me. And God has used me through the years to reach many, many people for Him. And I'm so grateful and I'm so thankful. And here's what I'm trying to get across to you in this. You need to teach your kids to be true to who they are. Be true to who God has made them to be. Proverbs 22 and verse 17 says this, Bow down thine ear and hear the words of the wise and apply thine heart unto my knowledge. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. You know what? <laughs> I've got some more that I need to share here, but maybe we'll just share that next week. I feel 
released. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. Is this good instruction today? Good instruction from the Word of God, isn't it? Hallelujah. Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we give you praise. Father, we give you honor. We give you glory. Now, here's what I felt the Lord speak to me last night and this morning even. He elaborated on it. Here's what I want us to do. Those of you that's in the sanctuary, those that are watching, we're going to pray for our children right now. I want you to grab the hand of the person beside you. Grab the hand of the person. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I want you to say these words. Say, in the name of Jesus, I declare that my children will serve the Lord for the rest of their life. Say this, I decree and declare in the name of Jesus that my kids are favored, that they are blessed, that they are whole, that they can experience God's love. I declare that they will have a hear, ear to hear and a heart to receive God's Word as their guide. And I bless them now. And I call them what the Word of God calls them. My kids are the head and not the tail. Come on, speak it out. Above only and not beneath. The lenders and not the borrowers. I declare that they have God's anointing and God's favor that they can walk in healing and health and wholeness and prosperity and God's favor. I decree it I declare it in the name of Jesus and so it shall be done in Jesus' name. Now put your hands together and give God a big praise here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Charles, give us some song. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4 and that's the number four, Jesus. TV. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.